electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Sarah, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the big rally in stocks. The bulls going two for two so far this week. All eyes now turn to Apple earnings. We'll debate the markets, get you set up for that big event later today. Joining for the hour here at Post 9, Josh Brown, Kerry Firestone, Jim Labenthal. So we're going for the fourth positive day in a row now. There's the market. We are green across the board. Big story at the bottom there. The 10-year note yield falls to 467. Mm. We're talking about a three-week low uh, for that. So we've got some relief in the Russell, Josh. Small caps are surging. Um, NASDAQ's ripping, best week there since January. So the best week of the year um, for the NASDAQ. Why are we going? I said we're two for two, right? Treasury refunding, check. Powell wasn't hawkish, yeah. check. That's where we are. I think there's some mechanics involved here as well. I was talking about this uh, a week ago or two weeks ago. There's a phenomenon in the markets, and although it's well known, it's still pretty reliable, which is that mutual funds end their fiscal year on October 31st. You will see enormous selling pressure in the stocks that are already down 10% on the year. You will see those downtrends become exacerbated as funds race to lock in those, uh, those, those capital losses. The reason why that's relevant is when the, the calendar turns over into November 1st, all of a sudden, a lot of that mechanical artificial selling pressure comes off. And in fact, just like an eye, eyeball test, Go look at your portfolio right now, log into Schwab or whatever, and what you'll find is over the last couple of days, a really nice bounce or pop or whatever you want to call it off of the lows for probably anything with a sub $10 billion market cap, anything that's been red all year and losing you money. That phenomenon is helping the Russell 2000. That gives you better internals, makes people feel better. Combine that with the strength that we've seen in tech off of some pretty good earnings. And that's the tone of the tape right now. And what's cool about what I'm talking about, it's not a one or two day phenomenon. In fact, uh, TL, uh, TLCs, otherwise known as tax loss candidates, actually tend to outperform the market from the whole period, November, December through January. Again, a lot of selling pressure comes off. And what's left? People looking through the rubble and saying, these stocks, this has been overdone. The whole Russell 2000 has been overdone. So he's gonna, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in that arena. Kerry, how long does this last, do you think? I mean, the Russell's up to Josh's point near 2%. Um, and it's been crushed lately. Yeah. But how long does this last? All right, so the market's up about 4% from the bottom here. The market fell off 11%. Can it get back that whole 11%, which means it has to go up 12 to 13%? And I have, that's asking a lot, but I think certainly that the market can keep going higher. We, we know that inflation has continued to come down, and we expect that the number is going to be reasonably good, the next CPI number, good meaning coming down a little bit further. We're not in a recession. There was so much chatter about recession, recession, recession. 
and we're not there. 4.9% was the GDP number. And we, we also know that this war in the Middle East, which people last week were very scared was going to escalate to other countries, that hasn't happened yet. So you add up a few of these positives in addition to the bounce, the technical bounce, and I'd say that we can get the, the S&P 500 to go up another 5%, certainly. I mean, it was like 10 minutes ago we were like, okay, S&P is approaching 4,100. It's like right, like 4,105. Yeah. Moment of truth. Whoa, and then whoa, whoa. here we are at 4,300. Yeah. See how that happens. To your point. So are we saying, are, are you guys suggesting, Carrie, that, you know, because the recession's not here and we still may have one. Yeah, and maybe. it may come in 24, that the runway is okay for stocks, even if we think a recession is going to happen, just not any time in the next few months? Yeah, I, well, here's the way investors could think about it right now. Instead of uh, three weeks ago saying to themselves, wow, I can get 5% sort of risk-free, um, and that's very, very comfortable with the market collapsing the way it was in September and October. Now they're saying, hmm, I can only get 5%. 5% is my ceiling, and if I want more than 5%, with most of the market, the S&P 500 unweighted down 2% this year, you can do better than 5% if you take some risk and buy a handful of stocks, a basket, or the index. So, you know, Jimmy, Jeffrey Gunlock, of course, every Fed day is with us right after Jay Powell finishes the news conference, was with us yesterday. Um, he says a bond rally has started, and you, you can see it obviously yep. showing up. But he also said stocks can do well. I want you to listen. I've been negative uh, on the equity market for so several months, but just a, couple, just a couple of days ago, I observed that the S&P 500 has fallen all the way down to its trend line from the low in 2020 up through, through, through the low uh, uh, between now and then, if you just connect those, those, those low points. And the S&P 500 came down and met that trend line this week. And we're sitting right on it. So with this relaxation in bond yields, which has obviously been a problem for the stock market, and this trade location on the S&P 500, I certainly think that this would be a poor trade location to be a seller. Okay, there's the bond king saying poor location to be a seller of stocks. Yeah, I mean, it's always, it always catches your ears and eyes when a bond person says it's a good time to buy stocks. That's a high hurdle to clear. Um, I wonder what Jeffrey would say today uh, if he saw the productivity numbers. And I know sometimes you talk about productivity, it's very esoteric and arcane. I'm telling you, this is one of the most important statistics that's out there. Here's why. We're going to get the labor report tomorrow, Scott. And one of the things we're going to look for is average hourly earnings. We're hoping they come in 4.0% which raises a question. How do you get inflation to 2% if wages are going up 4%? The answer is productivity. And you got a productivity number today that was gangbusters, okay? This is what keeps the economy going. This is what gets the Fed to take its foot off the neck of the economy and the stock market. And I think as you started out the show today and you said two for two, I'd like to say three for three because, and you know, I talked to you about this on Monday. I was looking for this. This was darn good. This was really good. I think it's mattering today. So Piper Sandler, Josh says, we believe a significant rally can unfold into year-end. City going overweight U.S. equities. Stiefel stocks could climb or should climb a wall of worry. Oh, how quickly the narrative changes. They do this, but they, they, right? they, they, I mean, they do this every year. They do this every year. Every except, year. For, except for last year. Every week. Except for last year at the end of October. After the, just after the market bottom, they all told you it'd get worse. Yeah. But in a year where the market, in, the, in a year where the market's up double digits, going into November 1st, you're not a seller. A, you have typical seasonality on your side. 
be you had a particularly difficult year for active managers, given the fact that the only stocks went up were the stocks that were all underweight. Um, so you know there's chasing. This is not chasing like, oh, I guess I'll chase the S&P. This is like if I don't chase the S&P, I have no career come January because the redemptions are going to take me out of the seat. You don't sell Mariah Carey. Okay, Mariah Carey, we're in Mariah Carey season. So if you're worried about like, oh, is, is it the right time to sell? I don't think it's right now. I really don't. So unless something materially changes geopolitically, which of course is always possible, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's Druckenmiller versus Mariah. I'm going Mariah. <laughs> this is where we are in the year. This but is see, what happens. But see, Stan, since you're, you're pointing him out, he's not, he's not negative in the very near term. Like we're really having a conversation in two parts. Yeah. One is about the remainder of this year and the next is what comes next. It's the what comes next that worries the likes of Druckenmiller, which even though Gunlock says, yes, yeah, stocks can go up now, it's what worries the, the Gunlocks of the world of what comes next when we, once we get into yeah, 2024. It concerns, it concerns all of us. Um, Druckenmiller was having the same conversation with us all, uh, figuratively, in 2010. Yeah. These are, this is the riskiest time I've ever seen to be an investor. And then the market compounded at 14.5% for the next decade. <laughs> so we all are worried about the big picture and the national debt, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's not to dismiss that. That. What we're talking about right now, though, is what's going on in stocks, typically this time of year, coming off of a double-digit rally in the S&P 500. I think at this point, um, the, the, the ball is in the bull's court. We'll see if they can run with it. There are a lot of negatives. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not from like a wacko from Disneyland. I understand. Well, there were some, there were some issues. All right. We, we all understand that. No, nobody would deny no, that. That's why we're talking about a wall of worry. Right. Right. And, so. and stocks, you know, historically can climb a wall of worry. Exactly. One area that is ripping today, um, regional banks. Bill Gross, do you see these, this tweet from him? Calling a bottom says, quote, regional bank falling knife has hit a bottom. By the way, he's going to be on last call tonight. So you don't want to miss that interview. He says he's buying Truist, Citizens, Key Corp, Carry, and First Horizon. Right. Let's show those stocks. And you can show the whole complex for that matter. It right. Make, makes no difference. This is that tax um, law yeah. selling phenomenon, though. Yeah. Very but much. But, so I, I would say that regional banks are part of this phenomenon today, which could be small cap, mid cap, yes, anything Russell, that, that just look, has these not are a huge, moved I think the biggest part all. of the Russell, yeah. just, is, I'm is sorry financial. to interrupt you, are financials. Yeah, so yeah. Ball exactly. Back to you. Yeah. So if there's going to be some move in stocks that are other than the top seven or eight. It's got to include financials. It's a big category, and there's many names. And they sell for multiples that are the range from eight to 11. So, you know, I, I think that's a good call, but we don't own any of them, but we own plenty of stocks that haven't moved and should be moving because they're putting up good numbers. And today is a, a day I have a feeling that we're going to see a big percent up in terms of the entire S&P. These, these breath days are very important. We don't have enough of them. We need more for the whole rest of the year. But these were the third rail stocks, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. For me, of yes. the market. Yeah. Now, there were moments of time where you were willing to take a play in some of these, right? What about now? What about now? Do so, we still need to be worried about the regionals, or is this, in fact, the bottom, as Mr. Gross suggests, it is? Let me start by saying this. Pick your poison. Okay. By that, I mean, this is a good time to take on some risk. All right. Josh went through the, the technicals of mutual fund sailing. Carrie and I have gone through some of the fundamentals of the economy. Pick your poison. I do think there's a rally coming from here to year end and pick your speculative spot you want to be. For me, and everybody knows this, it's more like, hey, the energy extractors like a Transocean or the, you know, the metals like a Cleveland Cliffs. If you want to be in the regional banks, I'm not going to 
I'm going to sl slightly dissuade you because I think there is still, you're kind of walking through a minefield there and you might get your leg blown off if one of these banks has a commercial real estate problem or if the 10 year spikes again and it's, you know, if that's a risk you want to take, fine. I, I like mean, my risks willing, you elsewhere. Were, you were willing to take a risk right after SVB in First Republic. Yes. So what's changed from then to now? Uh, the Fed, you know, at that time, I thought the Fed should have stopped and they kept going. Now, they've stopped now, I think. God bless them, okay? I hope they haven't done any damage with those two extra hikes, I hope. Uh, the 10 years a lot higher now than it was then. And well, it's those, falling fast. Yeah. And thank goodness, all right? Thank goodness. I want Kerry to be right, believe me. I don't want the regional bank index blowing up. I want her to be right. I'm just not willing to take that bet. But see, you also don't want, and here's the conundrum too. I'm not, buying, all of us, I'm right? not buying those stocks. I'm not buying. <laughs> forget, about, forget about necessarily these stocks. I, know I got my you, own problems. You, you're cheering in one breath, the drop in yields, drop of the 10-year, and, you know, the uh, other parts of the yield curve, you don't want, you don't want yields to be going down for the wrong reason. And the fact that no, the economy is yeah. weakening, yeah. right? You had the Atlanta GDP has, has gone from, I, I think, think two, three it's to a normalization. It's not a plunging yield. It's a, yeah. you, you, go, you go up very fast. There's a little bit of give back. It's a stair step. I don't know. I don't know for sure that we're done going up in the 10 year. I feel pretty. Uh, by the way, I think the, the best piece of investment advice offered by anyone on this network this week is Stan Druckenmiller getting extremely massive into the two year romantic about the two year. Well, That's what I would that's what I would do. Because it's a classic re-steepening of the yield curve pre-recession play. Unless it's about This is the key takeaway for investors. Cash is king was the theme of the year. We had Dubrovko on earlier this week. Yes, absolutely. It was the smart move. Everybody was buying six-month T-bills at Robinhood, if you could believe it. Like, everybody was on that bandwagon, and it, it worked. It was the smart thing to do. Here's what's going to be different now you got to lock in a little bit of duration, even if you have to give something up on yield. The two-year, or the way I do it, the SHY ETF, which is the one- to three-year treasury, that's the way to tiptoe out a little bit on duration. You don't have to call a, bot a, a top in rates. You just say to yourself, you know what? Overnight money at 5.5% is great. What if I can get close to 5.5%, but I can lock that in for a one- to three-year period? That's the, the way smart investors are thinking now, how they can gradually take on a little bit more duration. And if you continue to see uh, yields back off, which, you know, it's not guaranteed, you're going to look smarter and smarter with that higher yield locked in at a slightly longer period of time. Just real quick to the yield curve re-steepening, which yeah. traditionally has brought on, been an omen of a recession, unless unless inflation is coming down, and that's the reason that you've got the re-steepening. Strong economy, inflation coming down, the two-year will eventually come down as the 10-year goes up to reflect good growth. All right. So, you know, we said at the outset we're two for two. You can you know, quibble with that and say we're three for three. That's yeah. fine. Um, we're going to go for three for three or four for four, whatever you want to do uh, in overtime when Apple reports. NASDAQ's rallying hard. Mm. Tesla's up 6%. ARC stocks are ripping today. Roku, Shopify, Palantir, all up double digits, in some cases more than, than 20%. Uh, what do we think here? Well, 
is this going to have you? You said yesterday, I think, in closing bell that you're looking for a good report. And you normally yeah. don't want to make calls like this into a number. It's well, I think, well, I'm not going to trade it either way, but it's it's good in the context of expectations. This is not a barn burner of an Apple quarter. And the good no. news is nobody thinks it will be. Right. First of all, this will be the fourth straight quarter of declining revenue, year over year revenue for the company. And it's very rare in the last decade that we've seen Apple go through a stretch like this. The street wants to see 89 spot, two, eight billion uh, in sales. That would be negative 1% growth. Not great. Uh, earnings per share, $1.39. Let's assume they'll hit that. They're pretty good at doing that. Um, you're only getting one week of iPhone 15 sales in this quarter. And Q4 is traditionally Apple's biggest quarter of the year. Yeah, the holiday So quarter. I think that what it's really going to come down to, people are going to want color on October uh, iPhone, mm -hmm. maybe not unit volumes, but like what's going on. And if you get confirmation that all is well in some way, shape or form, I think it's good enough for Apple, given the fact the stock's already in a 10% drawdown. Well, see, that, that, yeah, that's, that's the wild thing. card. Let's bring in Steve Kovac. He's live right now outside of Apple headquarters as he awaits, like we all do, those numbers. And, you know, I know you, you listened to that interview earlier this week on Closing Bell with Eric Woodring of Morgan Stanley, who hasn't outperformed Steve on the stock, but is concerned that guide for the holiday quarter is going to be lowered. That's exactly it. Look, I know Josh wants Mariah Carey for Christmas, but all Apple wants is return <laughs> to growth for Christmas. And look, it, that's that's what we got to listen to. Don't worry so much about the quarter that was, guys. What we really need to listen to is how the holiday quarter is shaping up. And we just don't get that until the earnings call. CFO Luca Maestri will likely guide, you know, how many percentage points of growth or not growth they're seeing. The street is looking for about $123 billion in revenue for the holiday quarter. But look, the comps aren't just easier or different because of that extra week that Josh was talking about. It's also, remember, it was a, a little over a year ago now, Scott, that they had to shut down iPhone production in China because of those uh, COVID policies by the government there. So the comps are going to get a lot easier. So it's it's much easier for them to return to growth if they give any kind of indication that there isn't a return to growth or the growth isn't in that kind of 5% range, uh, then there could be uh, some cause to worry. But look, there are a lot of headlines over the last several days. We've seen analysts start to kind of trim their holiday quarter estimates. Um, and that's because of all these headwinds we keep hearing about coming out of China, the Huawei competition coming back online and Apple having to compete for those people who once switched from Huawei and Android back to iPhone, not to mention just overall demand slipping in the United States and China. And sure, they're going to talk about growth in those emerging markets like India, like Indonesia. But the question becomes, can that grow fast enough to kind of make up for the softness we're seeing in those more mature markets? Probably not. The question is when that happens. But it's going to be an easier holiday quarter, Scott, for them to show growth. All right. Good stuff. Steve Kovac, thank you very much. Enjoy the day. We'll see you because I know you're going to be very busy later on. Carrie, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon going into the number. So a week ago, it was like, all right, the chart looks terrible. Yeah. The stock is on a downtrend which normally doesn't happen going into an earnings report. Correct. Well, lo and behold, here we are, 6% higher than we were a week ago. Yeah. So now we're at 176 and a half mm -hmm. going into earnings. I'm looking at What do we think? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you two things. One, I don't think it's going to be as bad as the fears that are out there about Apple and Steve just 
described all of the concerns. I mean, China, weakness, this model, competition. I don't think Apple is as important to this market that we're experiencing than it has been as important to past markets. I think they can have a quarter that people say, Shh, I guess that was you know, the best they can do. Maybe the stock will go down a little 2%, 3%, or up 2 or 3%. Why do you think that? I'm not sure uh, I agree why, with you, but why, why do, do you think, think that? Because what's driving this market is not Apple right now. Apple is, has really not been a factor in this, in this rally this week. NASDAQ's it, up 5% in a week. I, I understand that, but lots of the market is good. Look at the movers today. You're not We're getting not, 800 Dow points without Apple being uh, uh, All right, but I think the market can still go up without Apple having a good quarter, is Ooh. what I'm saying. Well, I, I think don't know. Do we lot. agree with that? Do we agree no. with that? Those well, are fighting words. I, well, I, I mean, go, go up like, could it... Could it trend higher? Yeah, it's not going to rally without Apple and Microsoft. Mathematically, well, can't. So. Well, okay, but Microsoft had a very good quarter. Amazon, I mean, the numbers have been reasonably good. I'm saying I think the number will be acceptable. I don't think the number is going to be terrible or great, and the market can continue to go higher. Let me correct myself. Whatever. If every person selling Apple because it's down puts their money into United Health, yes. The Dow can go up. Okay, well, thank you, thank you, <laughs> Professor. You agree, you agree with Kerry? I, I mean, that's a controversial I, statement. I, I know, and I do, and it's similar to what Joe and I were saying a couple of days ago. We were asking, you know, you were asking us what's the biggest things facing the market, and we said Apple isn't it. Um, listen, with Apple, this is just, just don't mess it up. I mean, that's the favorite advice yeah, for I me to receive and the favorite advice for me to give, only the word isn't mess. What does that mean, but, don't, now, don't Here's mess what it up. means. Here's what it means, specifically. Don't come out of the blue with something that nobody's expecting. Don't tell us about some supply chain snafu or some demand destruction that we're not aware of. We all know, and this is the point you were making, we all know it's a down year for net income revenue. We got it. We got it. The world knows that. What Steve said, Steve Kovac said, was absolutely right. Just project growth. And it doesn't have to be gangbusters. I think he said 5%. No. Just, eight don't, per, eight just, just don't mess eight it percent, up. Okay. Expectation is 8% for next year. And that makes it the slowest grower of the Magnificent Seven based on forward expectations. Okay. It's good enough. It, exactly. Yeah. That's you combine that with a dividend stock Just buyback. Just don't mess it up. I totally agree with 5%. I agree with both you guys. Here's the thing with, with Apple, though. The real, the real issue, and maybe they'll resolve it tonight. Um, this is a company that had operating margins in the fourth quarter of 2021 at 33.5%. They have come down three straight quarters, 27.6% last quarter. There's got to be a bottom in sight. Yeah. Have we seen the bottom in operating margins? I think that's going to be one of the things, if it's not in the opening remarks, that's what uh, the sell side wants to hear, I think, to just get a little bit of comfort that, okay, not a great year, but it's, it's the worst we're going to see. Well, the we're hoping that, you know, the bulls in Apple stock are hoping that it's the worst that we've seen in terms of total revenue growth year on year, which has been in a three quarter Correct. in a row decline. decline. Now, you know, it was down five and a half in Q1 fiscal, down three Q2 fiscal, down one Q3 fiscal, now Q4. Do your return new to phone, growth. But new phone. So, yeah, no new phone, no new phone until and, now. And last year was not yeah. a good the phone year. Brings, I mean, the phone brings people who are in the ecosystem 
back into the retail location. Yes, unless the upgrade cycle is weaker than expected. That's the great unknown. Well, I think you've got a, a MacBook refresh. I think it's an important part of the story that's been missing. The pandemic had everyone buy a device all at the same time. A couple of years go by. If you bought a laptop in 2021, you don't need one in 22 or in 23. That's the that's the thing that makes Apple, as much as we hate to say it, it's still a cyclical business to some extent. And that up cycle that we're coming off of required a hangover. Hopefully, 22 and 23 were the hangover for a lot of the device sales. In the meanwhile, sure. services picked say. up the slack. Which is yeah. why... They did. Which, which is exactly right. The growth in the services business takes the pressure off the cyclical That's side right. of the Fun. hardware. That's right. Yeah. Well... That's what you wanted to do, what it did this year. Right. It did this year. Anyhow, That's why Apple's not in a 20% drawdown. If they were just selling devices, this stock would not be $3 trillion market cap right now, I'll tell you right now. Look, the f- no way. I think the services business is literally a Fortune 50 company on its own. I mean, it's that, become that big. Yeah. But on the cyclical side, your point is well made. Um, you know, let's just remember where we were a year ago. I mean, we're not, we were, st- the, the lows of October in the market were still there. We had layoff announcements, particularly from tech, in the tens of thousands. People felt lousy going into the holiday season. That wasn't a good time for handphone sales. You know, you've got a good comp coming up is what I'm Let saying. Let us not forget, too, that, the, you know, I don't remember what the P.E. was last earnings report, but I think it had a three-handle. It's it 24 now. Now it's lower than that. So the P.E. has come in as well. We'll see. Uh, It's going to be exciting at overtime, that's for sure. Coming up, our chart of the day. It's a semi-stock. It's popping on a strong forecast, plus our call of the day. The analyst who says buy this name ahead of earnings this weekend. We'll debate it. Halftime's back in two minutes. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. chart of the day, it's Qualcomm. Those shares are higher after beating earnings. Uh, Jimmy, you own it. There's a nice move there, 6%. You talked about this the other day. I know you love the stock. Now what? Uh, first off, you know, a little bit of humility. This stock is not where I thought it was. And a year ago, I was quoting for it to be much higher. Folks, I'm sorry about that. I do think it's going to get there. But what happened was this smartphone cycle took a downturn that was longer and deeper than expected. It looks like that downturn is ending. By the way, this does portend well for Apple tonight, but I don't want to jinx it by saying that. Here's what's happening. It looks like the smartphone cycle has bottomed. Now, for Qualcomm in particular, that is 80% of its revenue, but a good 22% of it is automotive and internet 
of things, which is why I really like this stock. It's not just going to be about smartphones. It's not just going to be about that cyclical uh, cyclical sector of Apple that we were talking about earlier. On top, so you're not out of the woods yet, though, because this is one good quarter. You need this. You need a string of a couple of good quarters here to really feel positive about it. Um, but I do like that diversity into Internet of Things and automotive, as I said. And I have to point out, it's very cheap. They're buying back shares. Almost no debt on the balance sheet on a net basis. This it seems very easy to own and buy Qualcomm here to me. Okay, uh, CFRA. Josh says buy Berkshire ahead of earnings. Wow, comment. It's really going out on a limb. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about being a Berkshire shareholder is they report earnings on like a Saturday, and uh, they really don't play into any of the festivities or the fanfare. Look, Berkshire has a lot uh, in its working in its favor, but then also a lot working against it. So we'll start with the against. Basically, a huge part of the business is utilities. Uh, and that has, has been the worst year for utility equities, maybe that I've ever witnessed since I'm alive. On the positive side, though, um, all of their consumer-facing businesses seem to be in good shape. And ha- half the stock portfolio is Apple, mm. which if mm. Apple holds up. So I think, I think insurance next year is going to be a better business than it was this year. Mm. Insurance had a lot of challenges this year, uh, but a lot of those challenges then become easier comps for them to hurdle next year. So I do agree with the call. And if you're going to be in insurance, I want to be in property casualty more so than I want to be in other areas. So I like it. I think the stock gets close to a new high. These guys are 100 years old now running the business, so maybe that's a risk factor in the, in the near term, but I would ignore that. Jimmy, you own it too? Uh, I do love Berkshire Hathaway. It's the U.S. economy, basically, maybe a little overweighted towards financials. Uh, to some of the points that Josh is making, let's just start on insurance for a second. The quarterly report is probably going to be lousy. Most of the PNC insurers did not have a good quarter. Yep. That's not the point. If you look at the PNC insurers' stocks, they're rising. Why? Because the future looks good as premiums catch up with yep. losses. And, and ultimately, what you're looking at with Berkshire is the U.S. economy, whether it's utilities, whether it's uh, you know Burlington, Northern Santa Fe, the railroad. Road, whether it's uh, energy, it is the U.S. economy. Everybody knows how I feel about it. Yeah, it's going to slow down They've from 4.9%, but we're going to keep growing. They've done some really hard work introducing the bench and, and putting these guys yes. front and center. And one last thing, the Acquired podcast, one of the best business podcasts ever, um, they had Charlie Munger on for an hour. And again, he's turning 100 years old, I think, next month. So it's a really, if you have an hour this weekend, listen to the Acquired podcast, listen to Charlie talk about the Japanese investment they made and a lot of the more recent stuff that Berkshire has done. Stock Good is chart. down. Good chart. Stock's down 7.5% since all time high on, on September 19th. Yeah. Just noting, I'm sorry, you said? I'm, I think where it is right now, it's a good place for the stock to be. By the way, $150 billion in cash. Yep. They're earning more money on that yep. cash than they have in 15 years. Also worth pointing out. All right, let's get the headlines now with uh, Silvana Hanau. Hi, Silvana. Hey, Scott, good afternoon. The U.S. imposed a new round of sweeping sanctions today targeting Russia. The sanctions apply to 130 companies and people from Turkey, the UAE, and China in an attempt to cut Russia off from supplies that support its war effort in Ukraine. The State Department also issued diplomatic sanctions on Russia that target energy production and the mining sector. Crews are searching through rubble and debris for a missing worker after a coal mine preparation plant collapsed in Kentucky. Officials said one man died in the accident during rescue efforts Wednesday. Workers were inside the 11-story abandoned building to prepare the plant for demolition. 
And Britney Spears' memoir sold more than one million copies in the U.S. during its first week. The Woman in Me details the pop star's rise to fame, conservatorship, and new details about her previous relationship with Justin Timberlake. The memoir's popularity is boosting Spears' music. U.S. streams were up 24% last week, and album sales jumped over 61%, Scott. All right. Silvana, thank you. Silvana, now coming up, we're going to hit some committee moves today. Carrie just sold one of her stock summit picks. Bill Baruch joins us as well. He's upping his stake in two big tech names. He'll join us ahead. We're back in just two minutes. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we're back. Bill Baruch joins us now. He's making some portfolio moves we wanted you to know about. Good to see you. Okay, so you bought more Microsoft and Oracle. Talk to us. Yeah, Microsoft is you know one of the big names I haven't added to since raising cash in July. Uh, obviously, a great earnings report. It's it's um, uh, AI here. It's um, software is being adopted. One million users right now, growing 40 percent uh, quarterly. So I, I think that's really the adoption and implementing the AI across their software base is important. But it's also yesterday's move got out above the the uh, earnings high. And I think there could be a tailwind there. So I want to ramp up that exposure. And then with Oracle, I mean, they're the primary play in database right now. And uh, their adoption with uh, Microsoft Azure as well uh, is already there. They're going to continue to be compatible with other software uh, as well. And, and the thing about Oracle, after that September uh, fallout, after their earnings report, it never underperformed the, uh, the, the queues. So I think right here, it tells you that it's pre- built a pretty good base. And I want to be there for this thing to rally. Yeah. How about AMD? You, you're looking at it. We, you know, Josh made some news the other day when he bought it ahead of the number and what a reversal that it had after the number. You're looking to add to it at this point? Yeah. And, and Josh, kudos. That's a, a great buy there. Uh, you know, I, I'm waiting to see how this how this settled out after uh, yesterday's move, after the earnings. They don't want to chase it. I'm looking at non-farm payroll tomorrow. And if we kind of hold steady, I see myself putting some of my last bit of cash to work with AMD. I mean, right now, the NVIDIA software moat has eroded. And really, I think this adoption with MI300 for AMD is going to continue and it's going to pick up. And I think that's going to be priced into the earnings. And I expect it to continue to build as a stock that can really take off here uh, into the quarter one. You want to comment here, Josh? 
Uh, important to note, the NVIDIA software advantage is very much alive and well. That's the CUDA platform we've been talking about on this show for like, I don't know, nine years. Uh, but AMD, to Bill's point, has its own software platform. It's called ROCM, R-O-C-M. And if they can capture somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of this nascent market, and they could focus more on chips for inference as opposed to chips for training, which NVIDIA has on Smash, this is going to be a company that we're going to be talking about in the AI conversation for the months and quarters to come. So I don't know if it's timed perfectly to buy it right this second, but do not take it off your screen. It's going to be an important name. Yeah. Uh 15% it's up in a week is uh, AMD. Bill, thank you. Good to see you. We'll see you back on the desk soon, I know. Carrie, to you. You sold Align Technologies. That was one of your stock summit picks. Yeah, well, Align had been a great stock for us. I mean, really, really strong. And what's happened, we know, is interest rates have gone up. Consumer spending on some discretionary. Yeah, that's yeah. the Invisalign, okay. the, the, in, the invisible braces. Yeah. Um, it, it had a incredible run for a few years and it came crashing down. We bought it. Stock was up over 50% for the year. But consumer spending on some goods, not necessarily services, but some goods has weakened because they're expensive. You know, cost a couple thousand bucks or, you know, one to two and a half thousand dollars for the whole process. Mm -hmm. And we just thought the quarter could be weak. Uh, China hasn't really come back, the spending there. And so we sold it before the quarter and the stock was down 30%. Yeah, we'll take a look at it there. It's up about three and a half uh, today. In mode, you sold that. I-N-M-D? Yeah, so that was a very small position. It's a medical device related to aesthetics. So uh, fat melting and skin tightening. Again, we sold it because these devices are expensive, the lasers for doctors or spas to buy. And we thought, Perhaps there's going to be weakness in the market over the next year. It's also an Israeli company. I think it has some risk. I mean, not a lot. Most of their sales are in the United States. And we thought, you know, we can sell it here and, and buy it back. Yeah, big pop, up 12%. All right, yep. let's do this. Let's take a break uh, because PayPal, that's popping. Shares are higher on earnings. Carrie, as you know, owns that. We're going to get her take. We're going to hit some of the other earnings movers as well when we come back. Look at the highs of the day for stocks across the board. Dow's up better than 400 points now. Mm. All right. PayPal, Carrie, up on earnings. You own it. Yeah. Well, PayPal finally had a quarter that was reasonably good that people liked and they raised the guidance. So sales were up 8%. Earnings were up 21%. Total payment volume was up 15%, and they seem to be doing what people expect. There's a new CEO. He talked about the right things, how to make it the safest, the most secure, the easiest network for payments. He talked about how they can monetize more of their products, such as Venmo. I think that he has to keep doing this, and the stock eventually is going to respond because everybody who's lost a lot of money, or almost everybody in the stock, has sold it, and there are new buyers coming in. And all you need are some new buyers. If you look at stocks like Meta or like GE, they lost their sponsorship. New buyers came in. And I was going to really say, like the growth people might still be disappointed, 
but you can get a whole new cohort of value investors yeah. looking at PayPal. I, talk, I talked to Dan Dolev from Mizuho who covers PayPal. He thinks it's 100 bucks, yeah. And he's talking about how underappreciated Braintree is, yeah. which is like their shopping cart that they Correct. build for other sites, mm -hmm. white-labeled uh, buttons. Yeah. Um, I think they should change the name of the company to Venmo. That, like is, that. that is that is the consumer brand at this point. Yeah. Um, if they if they did that, I'm not saying it's like fundamentally meaningful, but it would represent a change. Yeah. So correct. What's wrong Thank with you. Shake Shack today, Josh? Why why is it down near four percent? I don't know. I'm going to go support the cause right after the show. Right. Uh, <laughs> I figured you might. But listen, it was a great quarter, and actually they just opened up their 500th store. Uh, the stock had run up into this. I think it's up 30% or 35% on the year or something. So the stock is having a good 2023, way better than its its uh, category. Um, and, and maybe this is just like a little bit of profit taking. But I think the big picture here with Starbucks is, oh, excuse me, <laughs> Starbucks supported also with Shaq. Freudian slip. The big picture, the big picture with Shaq that I think is, is worth discussing is the fact that this is now a company uh -huh. doing well over a billion dollars in annual sales. 500 locations, the licensing business, which are the international locations, absolutely on fire. Um, and the U.S. stores are benefiting from new products, more foot traffic, etc. So I like the story. I stay long. I think it's going higher. You want to give me something on Starbucks, which is up 10%, almost 11% as we speak here? I mean, Starbucks is underrated. It is one of the best executing businesses that any of us could think of right now. Finding 11% growth somehow. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And it's not like their end markets are so easy. There's inflation issues everywhere. Everyone's trying to raise uh, prices on the consumer yep. at the same China's time. An issue. They're operating in China. I mean, they just, but they just execute. Well, why, why and don't it's you really it remarkable. What, what was the sort of, the, the, I can't remember, the, the reason you sold it, which you did a long time ago, yeah, January no, of 22. I made money with it. Listen, I, I, I don't own a lot of individual stocks. I have exposure to Starbucks like everyone else does um, through ETFs, et cetera. To, for me to want to overweight the stock, I would have to think that there's some reason why maybe I might know something that someone else doesn't know, or I'm willing to be more patient than someone else. Those opportunities come along in stocks like this, just not right now. It's a premium valuation. It's performed very well. Well, I don't know anything more than anyone else knows, so I'm, I'm not in the trade right now. Neither are you, Jimmy, but you used to be. I used to be. Um, I'm going to draw a parallel that not everybody's going to get, but we talked about this two months ago. Um, I was saying Nike and Starbucks were in the same category, and actually they were facing the same sort of issues. China, margins. Um, I put my money in Nike, maybe it's because they reported before well, that worked, Starbucks that did. Worked too. Yeah, no, I think yeah. Starbucks is going to do the same thing, but I put my money in Nike. I have nothing wrong to say about Starbucks. I'm happy to see it's doing what it's doing, but I'm with Nike in terms of a turnaround. Yeah. Okay, up next, we have a trader triple play. We have three key names reporting results in overtime. It's not just Apple. The setup is next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. All right, we're back. The setup. That's what we're calling this. Booking holdings carry in overtime. Um, yeah. The stock year to date's up 40%. Mm -hmm. What do we think? We think the quarter's gonna be good. The stock is down 13% since August 7th. So it's had this drop because concerns about war and you know the market came down. We think that at 13 and a half times next year's earnings, international travel is the heart of the company. Um, 
it's still going on. There's lots of international travel. It hasn't stopped at all. And we think that they're going to put up a good number and the stock can go higher. So this isn't a moment where travel is as good as it gets. No. No, I think it'll continue. I mean, it's good, but the stock's cheap. I mean, this is not an expensive stock at all. And, you know, we they're the leader in the category, and we think it put up a good number, and they're going to talk about okay. the next few quarters. So from the question about as good as it gets to, Jimmy, is this as bad as it gets for Paramount, which is down 30% year-to-date? Yeah. So I'm locked in a brutal hockey fight with this stock, and the only person who enjoys it is my dentist. Has the jersey been pulled <laughs> over your head yet? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm in a big loss on this, and I recognize that. I've been saying for quite some time that this really should be bought out, but M&A activity in the streaming space hasn't picked up. Uh, as far as what to expect uh, tonight, they are scheduled or projected to have positive free cash flow for the first time in several quarters. I'd like to see that. Um, obviously, still paying attention to uh, uh, subscriber count pickups, which are projected to be good, but it's, it's the free cash flow. All right, they've got to control costs. That's what I'm looking for in this quarter. Is this a you know, going to the penalty box for five-minute major, or is it a game misconduct? This is just not good. This is just, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Is, is Mission Impossible theirs? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. So they blew, is. They, blew their, they, blew up their, they blew up their own movie at the box office this summer. That was supposed to lead to increased subs. Anytime you get a new Tom Cruise vehicle, it should be, like... This, the projection, this is a problem. The projection for subs is actually pretty good. All right, three million, and you can you can track this on things like Aptopia. Dude, it does look good. My projection for weight loss looks pretty good too. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The problem here is when everyone's bored of the cowboy shows and the Star Trek thing is a bomb, and now the Tom Cruise say, thing let me didn't say work. Thing. You got a content problem. Okay. No, no, you got a content well, problem. I'm not sure I agree do, with you, but that's okay. That's, a, that's, that's an opinion, and that's, that's fine. We can disagree on that. You know what we haven't talked about is they have been raising prices, and that's meaningful. And those prices have been sticking without much churn. That's where you're going to start to get some free cash flow from the business as a whole. The ad supported, though, is bigger yes. than the premium sub business. Ads. By the way, this is what I was saying about Disney yeah. the other day with Hulu and all these things. It's not like Gannett and the newspapers in the 90s. Those advertising revenue streams are going to be recreated on the streaming businesses. Your point is I made. I mean, it's been sliced in half over six months yeah, now. It's, it's a tough big, space. big rally into the print. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what today is about. Maybe it's Roku. Um, there's always rumors going around about Somebody's going to buy it today. Listen, I, I, we need to see M&A activity pick up in the space. This is an obvious gem for somebody to pick up. Notwithstanding, our, Josh and me, we have a difference of opinion on the content. I think a lot of companies that are still trying to build out their uh, uh, TV, uh, streaming TV, would look at this content and say, I want it. Speaking of uh, entertainment content, um, Live Nation, you own that, also reports today. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody thinks that the results aren't going to be gangbusters because they are every quarter. There's just like a switch has been flipped and people want to be at as many events as they can be at. The issue here is the Department of Justice investigating. Um, they go through this every three or four years because of the combination between Ticketmaster and the venues. This time looks a little bit more benign. This looks more like they want to talk to the acts and see if there are anti-competitive conversations going on. Like if you don't play our venue in Detroit, then you can't play our venue in, in Los Angeles. I don't think that's an existential threat to the company. And that's why I think the stock is higher today on the disclosure of that news. So I'm remaining uh, long. I like okay. the name. All right, quick break and then final trades on the other side.
All roads lead to Apple. And closing bell, we take you right up to that earnings report. Dan Ives, Joe Terranova, Malcolm Etheridge. Plus, where can this market really go? Avery Sheffield, Gabriela Santos will tell us as well. Farmer Jim, give us the first final trade, please. Boeing uh, took one heck of a step back the last couple of months. It's taking its two steps forward now. Okay. Kerry? Uh, S&P Global, we're finally seeing that the financing cycle is going to start to pick up. Companies need to raise money, and interest rates may be peaking. It's good for them. Josh Brown. For better or for worse, for the 900th quarter in a row, I'm going into the earnings long Apple. Wish me luck. All right. Well, <laughs> good luck. 177. Uh, NASDAQ certainly getting a big boost. I'll see you on Closing Bell. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Ooh.